Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And in this episode, we are going to review a webinar that we did here with Wendy Bedette of InSearch Medical. And uh, specifically what we talked about was hiring. And we covered things like, you know, right now I have space. This is a common problem that everybody's, uh, all practice owners are facing in the market, but the, the hiring market has dramatically changed, right? Uh, it's something that has really evolved uh, over the last two years. And it's increasingly difficult to hire uh, clinicians and even support staff. Uh, especially when I think it came up on this podcast that, you know, there are fast food restaurants that are paying more than $20 an hour. So how can we possibly compete in today's market as an independent private practice? So the biggest problem that a lot of us face is underutilization of space and personnel today, because it is taught, it is uh, difficult. It is different, uh, a new challenge in, in terms of hiring. Many of us have underutilized space, which which is a problem. So, a little bit of what we cover uh, in this uh, special episode is, you know, do we need to pay more for clinicians as we're hiring them, or front desk, or receptionist, um, marketing, billing, etc.? Do we need to be uh, more competitive? And Wendy and I both uh, share viewpoints on that. We also cover, you know, my normal hiring methods uh, are not working. You know. And two years ago, we used to post on Indeed and we would have 100 applicants. Now we post on Indeed and we get nothing. What, what can I do? So Wendy and I both share our, our thoughts on that. Uh, and, you know, right now, one of the common viewpoints is, is it even possible to hire in today's market? Uh, we, we share our thoughts on that. And the, the other one that I want you to be paying attention to here is, um, th- this agreement that Wendy and I have that y- you should always be hiring as a private practice owner, especially if you're looking to increase the impact um, in your area through your the healthcare services that you're providing. So uh, th- finally, there's also uh, helpful tools and resources for you that we put over at uh, getbreakthrough.com. The uh, specific URL, if you're looking for additional resources on hiring, additional tools on hiring is getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. Again, that's getbreakthrough.com forward slash resources. And with that, please enjoy this special edition with uh, Wendy Bodette of uh, InSearch Medical. There we go. Uh, What's your biggest uh, personnel challenge right now? Are you having trouble finding candidates? Are you having trouble that you can find candidates, um, onboarding them? Uh, you're worried about, you know, keeping them busy, uh, et cetera. What are some of the biggest challenges that you hear from practice owners right now, Wendy? Most of the most of what I'm hearing right now is just that most of our candidates are getting multiple offers, and um, they're having problems just finding people period there's just a shortage of staff a lot of people have walked away from healthcare um, for various reasons so that seems to be the biggest issue is that where where are all the pts great and early results of the poll are in already do you plan on hiring a clinician this year uh 19 p 
people said uh, yes. So that was 95%. And one person said, not sure. Do you plan on hiring any support personnel? So that would be like front desk receptionist, marketing, billing, um, perhaps uh, PTA or uh, CODA, something along those lines. Um, that was uh, 65% yes, 15% no, 20% uh, unsure. So uh, state of hiring in 2022, the, uh, and these are just headlines that our team pulled from Forbes and the New York Times and healthcare and finance. That is, it is a very real problem right now. There is a shortage of workers. There is a tremendous demand and the supply is not there. Um, we, we've seen changes in supply and demand in the workforce. It's highly competitive. Uh, we're gonna ask Wendy about details about that in a second here. Um, the fair market value of hiring a clinician, it's increasing and I would venture to say it's dramatically increasing. Um, there's competition uh, that, that we've seen never before where as a private practice owner, we have aggressive competition from our local uh, healthcare and hospital systems. And uh, you know, the other thing is employees requesting higher salaries and or other benefits. I know, Wendy, when you and I talked before, uh, you mentioned the work-life balance. So um, I, it, I, I would love to hear your thoughts and uh, your, your inputs, your, your viewpoint on, on what you're seeing in the marketplace right now, Wendy. Okay, so what I am seeing is a variety of things and the work-life balance seems to come up the most. Um, the second thing that is coming up is in, in, in regards to that work-life balance, people don't want to work 50, 60 hours a week. They don't wanna work every night. They don't wanna work every weekend. And um, they're looking for high pay to cover some of the costs of inflation, the fact that their kids are not being able to go to school and various other reasons. And I think that people are, are burned out um, for, for the most part. And, um, and there was a shortage even two years ago and that shortage just seems to have increased. Um, and our recruiting costs and things have, have gone up just because those people are harder to find, they're out there. Um, but we have to really kind of dig for them at this point. The, I, I'm wondering if you can uh, define a little bit better or at least give some detail around that, that work-life balance. I have heard components of that. It's a common theme now on uh, many business-related podcasts, especially those that are targeted towards business owners or employers. Um, and I'm just wondering, like from specific examples, what, uh, like, what, what exactly does that mean? I know you mentioned the work hour, the workload, but um, it, it seems to be one of those things that might be open for interpretation. What are some specifics of what you're hearing? Around? So for the most part, um, you know, we've, we've had some private practice owners that stay up until seven at night. And so those workers are being asked to stay and clean up and everything by the time they leave, it's eight o'clock at night. They're not seeing their children. And I think from what has happened over the last year and a half, I think we've all been kind of forced to stay inside, spend more time with our families and maybe appreciate that time a little bit better than we did before. So that seems to be what is, is coming out almost, almost with everybody that, that we talk to is that they don't, they don't want to work the 50 hours a week anymore. They don't want to give um, 100% to their jobs anymore. They want to spend time with that family. Some of their kids are not in school anymore. So they are homeschooling. They've just, they have more responsibilities, I think, than they had before um, at home. 
we've seen daycares closed, you know, we've seen schools closed. So it's, it's just, it just seems to have snowballed at this point. Fair enough. The, I, I forget exactly what you said there around hundred percent to the job um, or, or to work. The, the, the interesting thing, and we can talk more about this because I'm sure there are questions about it. The, the thing that we've been hitting up against is I don't want to give hundred percent, but I want to take 120 <laughs> Yes, 120%. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so there's a there's a, a, a little bit um, around that, and, and I'll at least share how we have had the we try to make it a very open discussion um, with every team member, whether it's at Breakthrough or um, at Madden and Gilbert. This is um, this is how this can work. So be as accommodating as possible, yet at the same time make sure we're able to keep our our doors open. Absolutely. Tomorrow. So a uh, quick introduction to Breakthrough. Um, what we do is we help practice owners market their practice direct and manage really that marketing uh, with direct to consumer marketing. So we started in physical therapy. We now work um, it, with other healthcare providers um, as well across the board. We're working with 200 plus practice locations all over North America. And uh, we've been doing it for, for quite a while now. Um, and Wendy, I know we have a slide here for you. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm sure it's coming up. So uh, it's fine. The so I, I want to talk about the the um, barriers, but before we do that, um, I am going to back up here. Um, I you you work with a ton of practice owners. I know you work primarily with physical therapy, private practice physical therapy. But can you give everybody an idea of of how often you're doing the the personnel placement because I know it's it's pretty extensive. We probably we well we do um, we have a lot of advertising. We have our website. Um, we are probably talking to over fifty or sixty people a day um, individually about jobs that we have open. Um, we have never seen, and I've been doing this almost twenty years. We have never seen so many jobs open. Um, our patient seems to be booming right now, which is great. Um, so that, I mean, that that's kind of what, what we're seeing. Um, we are probably submitting maybe 20 to 25 uh, people a week, whether that be a PT or an OT, but mostly therapists at this point. And we're probably placing about five or six people a week. So, um, and that would be on a national level. And a lot of it is going to depend on demographics. You know, we're, of course, much more successful, quicker in bigger cities, um, but we are making placements in very remote areas. We're making a placement right now in Kenai, Alaska, which I, I hadn't even heard of before this. Um, we do a lot of business uh, West Coast, East Coast, um, you know, Central, um, the Midwest. So we're pretty much all over the place. Love it. Um, also, for everybody that is watching right now, you can go to the chat log and uh, there's a link in there. You can click on that link and learn more about um, InSearch Medical and um, Wendy's experience there. So in terms of the barriers, things that get in the way, uh, at, at least what I hear owners say is uh, one, there's a reluctance to bring a clinician on or maybe a toe in the water. So we'll do like an Indeed ad and hope something turns out for the best. 
But the, what's really getting in, getting in the way, at least when we have a deeper conversation with that owner is I'm afraid that patient visits are not always going to be this high. So Wendy, you just talked about how outpatient physical therapy is booming right now. There's tremendous demand. And uh, some owners, depending on where we're at in our private practice journey, might be thinking, is it always going to be this way? Right. So they're reluctant to hire. Barrier number two is um, this is really a, an ego thing. And I'm sure nobody else on this call has ever experienced this before, but at least I did in the early days of private practice. I'm the only one that the patients want to see, right? Or some, some form of that. Um, how do I bring another clinician on and have those uh, new patients see the new clinician, right? And that is really, um, yeah, get it, at least for myself, it was a, a, a journey through the ego barrier um, where I would fully trust, you know, another clinician to provide the same high quality of care that I did. Do you ever run up against that, Wendy? Yes, often. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Um, so that one resonates. Um, the third one here, I don't have any open positions today, so I don't need to think about sourcing. Um, I know, at least for us, um, lead time it has at least doubled in the last two years. Are you, so that means if it took us 90 days to fill a position um, back in 2019, uh, 2020, in the beginning of 2020, now it will take us uh, twice as long, 180 days. Is that about what you're seeing as well? I would definitely agree with that. If, if not worse, right? If not worse, yes. And it, a lot of it really is demographics and some of it is just the luck of the draw, but we get a lot of referrals too. So, um, and we've seen a big uptick even in this last week of candidates. So, which is, is good. And we've got our new grads coming around the pike. They should be starting to take their boards in April. So I would say anybody who's looking to hire first or second quarter probably should get started now. Yes. Uh, if there is one nugget in our one hour together, it, it would be that. It's always be hiring. I know uh, we, I was just working through this with our leadership team here um, and we were looking at you know the increased capacity um, that we're going to have to have here in 2022 and literally just topped off of a call where we were putting those, those plans in place right now, creating the pipeline, making sure we have plenty of candidates to interview and ultimately hire, always be hiring. Um, yeah. Number four, I don't know how to ramp up marketing to fill a new hire schedule. So this is where, um, you know, you're, you want to bring somebody on and rather than being whimsical, like we had up there in uh, number one, this is where I, I'm not sure how to create a consistent flow of new patients. And we can talk more about that. Um, and then finally here, I'm worried costs are going to go up if I hire more. And um, when Wendy and I were talking um, in preparation for this last week for this, uh, this webinar, the, the one thing that I um, had shared that I see a lot of owners do is they assume, let's say, um, you know, it's a single site location and the, the monthly uh, revenue for a, a two clinician clinic uh, might be $30,000 a month. Let's just leave it at that for the example. And let's say the expenses today are uh, $22,000. So many times the owner will say, okay, so if I hire another clinician, that gives us the capacity to maybe generate $45,000 a month in income 
but my, um, my costs are going to go from 22,000 up to 33,000. And, and that's not true. The costs do not scale directly because we have some fixed costs that by bringing on another clinician, those costs are actually going to um, go down per uh, utilization. So that would be like space. So if we have two clinicians in 2000 square feet, um, that cost per visit is going to be significantly higher than if we have four clinicians in the same 2000 square feet, or if we have a receptionist who's a full-time Inflation, there's an advantage in terms of literally uh, financial, um, I think they call it financial opportunity or um, yeah, cost of scaling, right? So something to think about there, um, don't let the cost of hiring get in the way of hiring if it makes financial sense. Eight-step personnel system uh, that we use here and uh, we're, we're at, Wendy and I are gonna to touch on the first three. So when we hire right now, um, I literally just looked at this last Friday, we have 88 employees um, at Madden and Gilbert Physical Therapy and private practice. This is what we follow. And this, um, this is really uh, an adapt, really a private practice uh, adoption of the, it's called WHO hiring system. It's by uh, Randy Street and Jeff Smart. You can pick the book up on uh, Amazon. But number one, we have sourcing. And what's sourcing, um, which we'll do a deep dive into here in a second, is how to get uh, the right candidates to apply for the position. And Wendy, you just talked about uh, an, an increase or an uptick in uh, clinicians applying. So it, is that mainly for physical therapy? Is it for other positions as well? No, it's mainly, we're mainly seeing it for physical therapy right now. Awesome. So that's uh, the first good news in a while for hiring PTs um, in terms of sourcing. But we're going to talk about different ways that you can do that because at least from experience, um, many owners that I talk with, they're just simply posting a, an in, indeed, you know, an ad on Indeed or maybe some physical therapy forum and, and hoping for the best. And there's a a uh, much better way that you can go about it, um, including working with professionals that are, and Wendy has, um, you know, a, a, basically has cast a large net into the, the uh, physical therapist and, and uh, can do much more than you and I can do alone um, as independent private practice owners. Once we have those applicants coming in, then we need to have a screening process. We'll talk about that. And then we have a four-step interview process um, and we, we can do a deeper dive there. You can see the other, um, the other steps below onboarding. So that's once you do make the hire, um, how to get that new hire acclimated and, and trained so that they're a competent physical therapist. Um, scorecard is something that we use. Again, I'm going to not do a deep dive here on that, but you can go get into reading about that and, um, the, uh, their original book was called Top Grading back in the 90s, or, uh, and that was written by either Randy Street or Jeff Smart's uh, father. But um, you, can, you can see the, the more recent versions 
uh, within that, that who hiring method that I talked about. Incentivizing staff, I know is always a hot topic and then ultimately termination as well. So when we're sourcing um, the, and Wendy, I'll share first how I think about it and then you can talk with through what you do. Um, through sourcing, the very first thing that we do is when writing the ad, um, and I think that's this is commonly missed, but we get hyper-specific about what we're looking for. When I look at, um, and I'll tell you where I, specifically where I look at is the, uh, the APTA has a, an ongoing, uh, I forget what they call it, uh, basically where you can place an ad for a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I scanned, it was the first hundred that were in there and they were all fairly generic, right? Some were a little bit better. Uh, those ads were better than others in, in terms of explaining what they were looking for. But, um, you know, every ad just in the pay to play bucket is going to have, you know, we need a Pennsylvania licensed physical therapist, right? But getting very specific about the type of physical therapist that we're looking for, you know, that we're, for example, we're a manual therapy clinic and we need therapists that are willing to present. We make sure that is in our ad. Um, What do you see in terms of um, messaging in the ads that, that is, more effective or uh, things to be probably better to talk about things that should be avoided? I think that, I think generic, I think that most ads should be fairly generic, um, not in terms of you need a state license or whatever, but I think culture is really important um, that, that, that the PT is going to feel valued and needed, which comes into onboarding, which we can go into a little bit later, because I think that's where a lot of uh, companies fall short, um, not just in, in outpatient. Um, and when we're sourcing, um, we have a, a customer service team at Indeed. So because we are running three to 400 ads a week, they play with our algorithms, they play with our keywords. And those are things that will push us up in terms of Google, in terms of being seen. And those things, it's hard to do. It's just a, a single practice owner that is running one ad. Um, you, ju- you just don't get the same coverage, basically. Um, and then on top of that, we have our website. And then our website and, and everything that we do kind of filters out through the internet. So we show up in all kinds of places. So if somebody, you know, uh, types in into Google physical therapist, chances are our name is going to come up someplace. Um, and we're very specific about geographic location. We're specific about benefits. Um, I think those things are really important. 401ks people are looking for, they're looking for PTO time. They're, and they're looking for health benefits, um, particularly now. Great. So we, um, it, in our ad, the, uh, the thing that we have found that works best for us is explaining exactly what we're looking for in terms of physical therapists. You mentioned core values um, and, and culture. So we talk about that. Um, the th- our three call core values that we, um, that we go over in our ads um, are uh, number one, insistent on patient outcomes. So we want the physical therapist to, uh, the way that we just explain it, describe it is we want them to worry if the patient's not getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 
we have found that unique to our, you know, 42 uh, licensed providers. The second thing that we look for is beginner's mind. So we're looking for some sort of history that they're always learning, that they're taking con ed, uh, not only on their own required by their license, but they're also learning um, in addition, maybe they're doing master classes or they just love to learn. They're genuinely interested in life. And then the third one is uh, elevate others, that they're a team player. And we explain that in our ad. And just like you said, I completely agree. It really helps us flush out um, and, and attract the best candidates that match that because if somebody hasn't necessarily um, resonated with the ad, then we want to equally repel them as well. We're not just looking to hire any team member. Um, number two on here is uh, screening, which um, you do, Wendy, right? You, you and your team do the screening. So if yes. you can talk about that, that would be great because again, we don't want to interview necessarily every single candidate that, that applies. Right. So we have a whole list of questions that we ask. We ask them what they're exactly what they're looking for in a position. What are they looking for in the future? What are they looking for financially? And most importantly, we ask them, what is the what are the two or three things that are most important to them? Because then we can match them to a client if they say, well, I really wanted to do a residency program. And we know that we have a, a client that provides that or provides mentorship programs. Those are the things that, that kind of, that we try to filter out. And we do probably a 15 minute pre-screen with everybody. And then when we, if I would send you a PT, Chad, I would put all of that in a paragraph and say, this is, you know, Joe Schmo, this is exactly what he's looking for. This is what he's accomplished in his career, or he's a brand new grad. And this is what he's looking for. So that you kind of have an idea, um, exactly what that, that person's looking for. And then you can tailor your interview around that particular PT as well. Great. So yeah, we're, we're very similar. We do a 15 to 30 minute uh, screening interview um, over the phone in here internally. And uh, that the, essentially what we're asking for, just like you said, is what are you looking for? <laughs> where, where are you at your career? And ultimately, what, what do you want? Just to see if uh, that's a potential fit. Um, that candidate is a potential fit. Um, by the way, we use uh, nearly identical hiring process um, at, at Breakthrough. And, and it's worked well for, for both companies. Um, in the, the hiring process, I know the one thing that you talked about is once the person gets through the screening, they come into the office, the average practice owner is, well, maybe this is the time to get some feedback here. So if you're on this and uh, if you're watching right now, if you're hiring a physical therapist, so you contacted uh, Wendy and InSearch Medical, they have a candidate and you're about to interview them. How long would you do normally a lot for the interview? You can type that in the chat box. By the way, while you're doing that, if you do have a question on hiring on personnel right now, so Lauren Massey, California says two hours. That's pretty good. That's better than average. John Toomey, 30 minutes. Come on, John. Uh, Marcia says one hour. Adam says 90 minutes. Liza, 90 minutes. Karen says an hour. Pam says 90 minutes. Okay, so we're in the same ballpark. 60 to 90 minutes. Craig says up to 120 minutes total. 
Um, also, if you have any questions, make sure you're, you're uh, popping those into the Q&A here. We'll be opening that up for a Q&A here in a second. Amy says 90 minutes. Um, so the, the WHO interview that we do for clinicians, now this includes a working interview where we, we give them 15 minutes and I'll explain that process in a second, but, but we do a three hour clinician interview. And there are some reasons that we, we do that. <laughs> One of the biggest advantages is uh, the, any sort of a facade mm -hmm. that might be there for the candidate, it completely goes away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After 90 minutes or so, they, they kind of are, are forced to let down their guard and no longer tell us just what we want to hear. Um, but we go through a pretty thorough history of essentially since high school, how did they know they wanted to be a physical therapist? Um, what was college like for them? And we ask, you know, any other positions they've had or anything like that. Um, we also talk about future pacing and uh, some people call it career pathing, but where, where do they want to be in three to five years? Um, so I used to do a one hour clinician interview. I noticed the longer that we go, the better. Um, we can flush out uh, the right candidates. Any advice on that, Wendy? Um, yes. It, it, the, I, I want to just go back. You had mentioned that you do kind of a, a working interview. Mm -hmm. Over the last two years, one of the biggest changes that we have seen with new grads is that, and it is not their fault, but they have gotten bumped out of clinicals or they have not been able to do manual therapy because of COVID. So they are coming out with weaker skills. We're seeing more people actually not pass the boards the first time around, which we, we very rarely have seen in the past. Um, but I would ask all of you to do a working interview and let them do a little bit of a treatment. And just most of them will be very honest. If their skills are a little bit weak, they may tell you that their skills are a little weak. You can work with skills. You can't work with motivation and personality flaws. Um, but, but we are, we are seeing some decrease in skills over the last two years. With yeah. yeah, just, um, really quick. looks like we have quite a few questions now. Um, the, so how we set this up is, uh, we, and by the way, I have made non-optimal clinic clinical hires, which forced us to, to do this, but we were looking for the skill set. So we go into the room, uh, the clinical director um, and myself will go in. I'm the patient, real life patient, multiple concussions, neck injuries on my left side. Um, I have numbness frequently uh, on a nerve distribution into my fourth and fifth digits. Uh, so it's usually there uh, and it, it's been there for 28 years uh, to some degree. So uh, we'll, we'll tell them to do an objective assessment and then treat me and then retest. And because we, our culture is we market direct to the consumer, 91% of our new patients come to us via um, advertising to the general public or a past patient list. We only have 9% physician referrals. So they're gonna be under the spotlight a little bit more. They have to be able to make a meaningful change in that, those 15 minutes. So. Uh, an example of our best one. And we're looking for how they think through how they problem solve. So one of our physical therapists, uh, Jan, who's now a clinical director, um, she did grip strength. I think I was 140 on the right and I was uh, 105 on the left. And then she did the cervicothoracic treatment on me. 
did some ulnar nerve stretching. We did it again and I was up to 135. So, and, and it was legit. So that obviously she was um, a great hire, but we, we want to see what, you know, the skill set is. We're not looking for the right answer in terms of, you know, that they do a, a perfect evaluation and a perfect treatment, a right answer treatment, but we are looking for more so how they think through um, problem solving with uh, principles and the skill set that, that they have available to them. The, so a couple comments, first interview, Liza says 90 minutes with the owner. And if they continue, we schedule a working interview for four hours with the entire staff. That's great, Liza. Lauren says we do a working interview too, but even for our new grads, we let them know that it helps us determine what variation of our mentoring program we recommend to them. Love it. All right, so Lauren's first question. Abby, I can moderate here. Um, so Lauren asks, what about hiring front office support staff, especially part-time? Does this all still apply? I have not had great success in the last six months in this area. So I can share what we do. Okay. Yep. It, it's so the way that I problem solve through this, Lauren, for, um, for marketing personnel, for reception, billing, front, front desk is, uh, we, we do exactly like I just shared. So here's exactly what we're looking for. We use a very specific EMR um, rain tree. So we have that in our ad, you know, be great if you had rain tree or similar experience working in a medical office. Um, yeah, but very specific in terms of what we're looking for and or very not specific, very clear of what we're looking for in a candidate. And then also what our office looks like. And we say, you know, we have six offices here in central Pennsylvania. This is the setting. These are the hours that we're looking for, um, et cetera. So yes, it applies. And we still do the screening. We still do um, the interviews. It's not a three hour interview though. It is um, shorter for front desk. And we do a working interview, which is the telltale sign because if they can work with our front desk for, uh, I think it's a two hour working interview um, then we have a really good idea of what their, their skill set is. I would look at your ad, Lauren, every time, or I would look to work with, um, it, do you do any front receptionist, front desk placement at all, Wendy? I don't. No, we, we mostly do clinicians or clinic directors. Okay. So that I am sure there, though, that there are, um, companies that do that, agencies that you could work with to, to do placement there. Yeah, I am not. I am not sure. I mean, it's something that we could do. Um, probably not for part time, but for full time people, um, we we would be able to do that as well. Okay, great. And because uh, I think we have another fifteen people on since we had launched the poll. Lauren or I'm sorry, Andrea or Abby, if you can um, launch the poll for uh, people that are hiring, that would be great. Mm -hmm. And our next question is from uh, Heman Patel. Is clinician okay to give working interview for three hours? So we don't do, um, we don't schedule it. I mean, they're, they're not treating in our clinic. They're treating me as a mock patient in a room, they're hanging out, 
um, and observing, we want to make sure because uh, the thing that we've noticed is a clinician outside of the interview, when we're in the interview room, they're usually fairly tight and a little bit nervous and a little, uh, we'll call it scripted. When they go into the clinic and they're, they're observing other clinicians in our workflow, um, typically they'll, they'll, for lack of a better term, they'll let their guard down. Like the, you get the authentic person there. And usually um, I know Joe and I will walk through the clinic if we do it at the Harrisburg office here and we'll look at Michelle, who's a PTA who's been with us for um, 13, 14 years. And she'll just give us a thumbs up or a thumb. She knows exactly what our, our culture, our core values, everything else, she represents them. And she'll, she'll be able to give us a really good feel on whether um, they were a good fit or not. Any comment on that, Wendy, with the working do. interview? I would definitely agree with that. I think that they relax, they start to relax around other clinicians. I think they start to ask questions when they're around other people. So um, I think you get a much clearer picture of what that person would be like to work with um, if you let them float through the clinic. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario we've ever had was uh, outside of like personal reveals that we probably shouldn't know about, but uh, was uh somebody just like dove into money and like wanted to know what everybody was making. And that was, <laughs> that was over. <laughs> that was over pretty good. Um, so anonymous attendee, how else can we attract physical therapists to come join our staff for practices that are associated with PT school programs already have a generous PTO package offer 45 hour work weeks, no evenings, weekends, or holidays and a competitive wage for our area. We've sent out letters to those holding licenses in our state, attend career fairs at PT schools, posting on PT school career sites, host students for clinical rotations, Indeed and LinkedIn ads, used recruiting services. We have been actively looking and advertising for over seven months. What, it, geographically, where are, where are they? You know? I'm not even sure of their name, so. Okay. They have themselves in as anonymous, but uh, oh, okay. anonymous attendee, whoever posted that question, if you can answer that in the chat or the, the Q&A, that would be helpful. Yeah, and I would find that, I mean, old school, it used to work when you could send out postcards to everybody that had a PT license. Those things don't work anymore. You really have, we have to go out and really get people, find people and, and dig deep for people. So, and that comes not just from ads. We offer referral bonuses to physical therapists that we placed before. The other thing is after being around for 20 years, and you know that if you've been in practice for a long time, People know about you and we get, you know, people change jobs all the time. They get married, they move. So we get a lot of people that maybe have been with us before and then come back when the next time they go to look for another job. So um, Midwest. our net is pretty wide. Great. Um, anonymous attendee said they're in the Midwest. Okay. I mean, if they're in a remote area, it's going to take longer, possibly. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it really works to send out letters and things anymore. I think that we have to be more aggressive about recruiting now. Um, so just 
placing an ad and hoping that some the right person is just going to walk through the door. Just it really just doesn't happen like that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, we there's another uh, thing that I don't hear mentioned often, um, but you just talked about it with the the 20 year work history um, or 20 years in the the field. Um, we d- depend on your networks, right? Uh, as much as you can. So maybe the direct mail doesn't work to 5,000 physical therapists in, you know, the Midwest or Pennsylvania, something along those lines, but um, reach, we'll reach out to um, head of departments that have accredited PT programs, um, our association networks or any special interest groups that we're in or anything like that, um, professional networks, so typically what we'll do is we'll create an ad, we'll do a video ad with it, and then ask um, our essentially friends and family in private practice PT to share that as well. And that, it may not lead to a flood of 75 applicants, um, but frequently what it'll do is um, help, flush, help flush somebody out that's, that is looking or create um, at least a little bit of interest there. And I think too that what the other thing that has really changed over the last several years before when a PT came in to interview, they were expected to sell themselves to you, tell them about, tell you why you should hire them. Well, it's a two-way street now, and it's almost turning into a one-way street because they, they're getting multiple offers. So if you are doing things like this gentleman said that he it's a 45-hour work week that um, you know, he has a 401k, he's got benefits. Those are things that need to come out during the interview process. So, because they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them now. And I think that's really important. Yeah, and I completely agree. Um, a, a few years ago, we had uh, on a webinar, Wendy, the late um, Jeff Ostrowski, and uh, who was with uh, Excel and Apex in uh, the Philadelphia area. They have about 30 clinics. And I think at the time, Jeff was covering, they went from 70 PTs to over, I think it was 165. And they did that in about five years and he was doing the main hiring. But he talked about um, in that the the first half or so, 60% of the interview was on looking at the candidate. But he said, there has to be a point when you feel safe and you pivot and you start um, selling yourself as a company and selling the vision of where you're going and how that person fits in. Absolutely. And I, I think that's your, what you're saying is in complete alignment with that. And I've found that to be true. Um, Heman Patel said, uh, do they request to get paid? I will let us both off the hook there. And you should be contacting your, an employment attorney that is familiar with your state employment laws um, in the interview process. But uh, I don't believe we've, ever paid anybody for a working interview. And I can't even remember a request coming in. No, I don't, I, I've not heard about that either. Yeah. Um, Marsha Nicholson, I've been running my practice part-time and now going into full-time. I have a pretty heavy caseload and have another DPT who wants to collaborate with me. How do I integrate her to my practice? Should I do that two hour interview? And how do I establish her salary? In terms of salary, I think everybody, um, and Chad, you and I have talked about this, about bonus programs and salaries. And I think that whoever this PT is, you have to find out what's important to her. You have to find out what their salary history is, why they've left other jobs. 
There are other jobs they may not have, have anything to do with them leaving. It may not have anything to do with salary. It may have to do with they were driving an hour and a half to get to work and the traffic was terrible. And now you're going to be 10 minutes from home. So all of the, so you have to, I guess, find out exactly what that, that physical therapist is looking for, what's important to them. And then you can get to salary. And I would leave salary really till the end. Um, if somebody is just purely looking for money, they're probably not going to be the best employee. Completely agree. Um, beware people who lead with money. Um, the, so what, with what you said there first, Wendy, the, the um, and by the way, people get very emotional if, when we ask, we, we have people just literally break down and cry um, in the interview process, but I'll ask the magic wand question, which is if you had a magic wand and you could name exactly what you're looking for in your next position, what would that look like? Right. And um, we, we have had therapists that said, you know, really, if I'm being honest, I want to work in a pediatric setting. And that, that was a real, this is a real interview um, response. And I said, I can make a call and see if they're hiring, but this is not right for you. And that physical therapist became a, a lifelong friend. She ended up getting placed in the, uh, getting a position within the peds department at the local hospital. And um, she brought her children through and every, like lifelong friend of the practice. And that probably happened 16 years ago. So be willing to um, ask that question, what they're looking for. Um, and then exactly what Wendy said there, we save salary to the end. And if they, I mean, if they come in and they say, Hey, I want to make, you know, 90,000 or something like that, we'll say, okay, here's how you can earn that. The other thing I would say is if you're doing a bonus program, like like we do, you also want to make sure you're not violating any anti-kickback laws or anything like that. So make sure that you're compliant. A good um, healthcare employment attorney can help you can help you do that. Laura said, "Do you pay for candidates' travel to your working interview?" I've been looking for over a year now, and I'm struggling. Uh, am struggling bit time, big time. Looking for three PTs now in Prescott, Arizona. Okay, so Arizona, and I do a lot of business in Arizona. So I have a client in Arizona that was a, is a BPTM member, actually. And his interview process is one of the best that I have seen. He pays and fly. They do uh, about an hour phone interview first with the, with the director. And then they actually fly the person out for two to three days. They pay for them to come out. They put them up. They introduce them to the team. They take them to dinner. If they want to go, they ask them what they like to do. Do you like to go kayaking? Do you want to go hiking? And they actually just take them out and they show them what it's like to live there because nobody is going to be, nobody ever comes to me and says, I want to live in the desert in Arizona. So they've just been more creative and we have probably made seven or eight placements, perhaps more with them. And everybody loves them and they come back and they say, oh, I want that job because these were like the best human beings I've ever come across. So, you know, we, we want our PTs to know who you want to know who they are and what they're really like. Let them know who you are, too, as, as a human being and as a person. I think it's really important. Completely agree. I know um, I have a friend who owns a I believe two locations in uh, Fayetteville, West Virginia, where I take my family to vacation. 
and we literally had this conversation. Why would somebody want to live here? I was mm -hmm. like, there's white water rafting. There's abundant mountain biking trails, zip lining, all this other stuff. Like that's the, the selling point of the area. Right. But sometimes we, uh, we get too acclimated. It's too close to us. Uh, if we see it, but I, I, I love that idea of taking them out for a day or two. Uh, great. And it's working, right? That's the, it's working like a, extremely well. Yeah. So maybe we're underestimating the effort that it takes to hire somebody um, in the, the marketplace today. Um, Laura says, thanks. Great. Any other questions? Wendy and I. Um, if you do, you make sure to type those in the chat. Um, and I have a question for you. What do you need the, the most help hiring uh, with right now? Uh, hiring for an open role, uh, specifically a physical therapist, um, or filling a new hire schedule as quickly as possible? I, um, I, I, I know at least early in my private practice career. I struggled a lot, Wendy. I think for the first three years, I had no hires and in spite of, and I did the 5,000 mailers and I bought the uh, PPS. It, I actually bought the, the Pennsylvania list and the eight surrounding states plus DC, mailed everybody. Um, yeah, so super extended, super big effort. And then once uh, we changed our, our process and I, uh, wrap my head around really what it, it took to get this right. Um, we ended up hiring three PTs in four weeks. So I went from zero um, to doing that. So I know there's hope. The other big item that um, I know is a hurdle is filling that, that new therapist schedule as quickly as possible. Otherwise um, it can become a, a liability for our business. And I think uh, you probably have some stories around that as well. Uh -huh. <laughs> Um, so question from Lee, uh, bilingual physical therapist for minority community is extremely hard to find. Uh, what language are they looking? Cause we, we fill a lot of, uh, Spanish. Um, and then sometimes on the West coast, we have a lot of either Chinese or Vietnamese as well. Um, Chinese. It, so it, yeah, it really, it, I, it, a lot of it just depends on first off what language and where, where you are. So, you know, if you're in Miami, Florida, it's not going to be hard to find somebody who's bilingual in Spanish. Um, you know, if, if you're in New York City, you will find bilingual people. If you are in, you know, a, you know, a remote area in Wisconsin, that's probably not going to be as easy. So Boston. Yeah, right. There you go. That's, uh, yeah, Lee is from uh, Boston. Okay. Um, so... Uh, they can contact you about, about that? Absolutely. Yes. And, and we have no problem. We, we're allowed to put that in our ads and we're allowed to ask that question. And most people that are bilingual actually will tell us because it's a huge plus. And sometimes it depends on what a, a client is looking for. Sometimes um, if they're bilingual enough that they can talk therapy in a different language, it's enough to get through the eval um, or the treatment. So and sometimes people have an office staff member too, and I don't know what the laws are in every state, but um, sometimes you can find an office person that can help translate. We have a former receptionist turned marketer who is fluent in Spanish, who will help um, 
in those situations and it, it works out really well. Um, love to follow up, Wendy. There is a, there's an email. So Lee has uh, email there in the, the Q and A. You can grab that. Um, Craig, how do you start with paid ads indeed with confidence on ROI? For, if you're running one ad, that's really hard to do. Um, you know, we're, we're running three to 400 ads every single day. So, and like I said, we have a customer service team that boosts those ads. So I think it's, I, I, I think people can, I, you know, individual practitioners can kind of get lost on Indeed or kind of get lost even on the internet or their website. So I think, I think that's difficult. The, um, I, so I went back to our team in preparation for this. Um, and I had asked get for our most successful add on indeed for a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. And our team said in five years, we haven't hired a physical therapist from an indeed ad. So that, that's the, the degree of difficulty that you're talking about is, is legit. Okay. And I will tell you that we, we get anywhere from 25 to 50 people in our in coming into our inboxes every single day. We also use a resume search, some resume search engines where people have posted resumes and then we look um, every single day for everybody. And we pull, so we pull resumes from those sources. So we have, a, we, I guess what I'm saying is we have other sources to pull people. Yep, great. Monique, uh, do you recommend improving social media presence as a way to attract new hires grads in an effort to make practice more appealing and relatable? I can tell you what we've done that has worked. Wendy, any, anything there? Um, I use LinkedIn, but I don't use Facebook um, to, find, to find physical therapists. I think maybe for lower level people, you may find them on Facebook. Um, but I, it, it's not, it's not a recruiting tool that, that we use. Yeah. Uh, central. So this is, first of all, this is central Pennsylvania okay. um, where I'm at. Uh, what we have relationships with the local colleges and universities that have accredited programs. Um, two years ago, literally, I think it was January of 2020, right before um, the pandemic hit here. Well, pandemic hit everywhere. Uh, we had 17 final year DPTs in my office and I did a whiteboard session and I had asked, Hey, by the way, how many of you have physicians today? And I think it was only maybe three of the 17. And I said, where are you looking for job? I just wanted to know mm -hmm. they're not looking <laughs> on social media. Now what, what they'll say is I know you're hiring and I saw professor Mike or professor Joe shared your like, I know you're hiring and I, I've seen that, but um, yeah, they're, they're looking mainly through uh, personal and professional connections that like tapping into that is, is, is key. Um, so I, I don't think, unless you were offering something uh, of supreme value, like how to pay off the student loan or how to find the right first right job or something like that. I, I think that would be a very tough way to go to build a social media presence to hire a PT. I agree. Jen asked, are there paid job boards you would either recommend or suggest avoiding for the role of a PT? Um, 
I, we kind of stopped doing that about probably five years ago, but. Yeah, I don't think that there's any really good job boards. We, we don't use any job boards at all. And we used to maybe 10 years ago, but yeah. those have kind of fallen off. Um, I believe we're all cut up, cut up here. Um, Wendy, what's the best way? This is from Craig. What's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, I can give you my cell phone number or an email address. Abby has, has all of my information. Um, yes, we will spend a link to a landing page where you guys can contact Wendy. It's in the chat. Let me repost it quick to you. Yeah, Craig, so you can go. Uh, just click on the link and that'll have all of Wendy's contact information. And the, the question came up before too about ROI, so return on investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took me a little while to realize this as a private practice owner, but the, the cost of not hiring, of never getting that clinician on board is significantly more steep than the cost of hiring. So even if we went, um, you know, like the practice in Arizona, when it's all said and done, they, it sounds like they may be investing $10,000 or more mm -hmm. to, to get that hire in. Yeah. So the, for all of us, I mean, we can think about that, but I assure every single person on this call, unless you're in a state that has only, you know, $50 capped per visit, type payer mix uh, situation that um, the cost of not hiring that clinician is always more than $10,000 a year. Right. Absolutely. So absolutely. It took me forever to be smart enough to um, recognize and understand that the other item that, you know, we really specialize in at break at breakthrough is once that clinician is on board and let's say the treatment capacity is, 40 visits a week or 50 visits a week, whatever your assumptions are, that in order to get the return, what, what dictates the ROI is how fast we can fill their schedule. If it takes a year to do it, that's pretty slow. That's very slow moving cash. If we can do it um, in, in 30 to 60 days, which is what our assumption is now, then, then we're great, right? And then we can bring that next therapist on board and the next therapist on board and keep the ball rolling there. Um, any any comments on that at all, Wendy? I, I definitely agree with you. And the other thing that we've seen over the last year and a half is that when people when 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 clinics were forced to not be open or not see people because of the pandemic, nobody got better staying home and not getting treated. So now, even though yes, we have some new variants and some of the things happening, I think most places are not shut down anymore. People are feeling a little bit more comfortable about going out and getting those elective surgeries that they didn't get. And I think that's part of the reason that we have seen a huge uptick in, um, in hiring um, because they have, a lot of my clients said that they have waiting lists for patients, which goes to, to, you know, to what you're saying too, that it's more costly not to hire and to hire somebody. Those patients will come. Yep, completely agree. We, and we just did this uh, study on this as well, but uh, looking back, back at our metrics, uh, December, we did, I think we did over 7,400 visits off the top of my head. And our previous high ever was 6,800. So same staff, same space, everything else the same, nearly a 10% increase over 
our, our highest ever before. And that just sounded alarm bells for all of our uh, directors and our leadership team to, to get on the uh, hiring as, as quickly as possible. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And I, I hear the same thing from a lot of my clients and not just in one area of the country, in all areas of the country. I've heard last year that they had their best November and December that they ever had, their best last quarter of the year. So um, like I said, people are not getting better sitting, you know, staying home. Absolutely. Um, yes. A lot of opportunity out there. Uh, Gary asked Abby regarding the January 25th webinar you referenced, will I receive an invitation by email? Uh, I believe yeah, so. there will be an email out um, that allows you to register that. And I do believe that they all are at three Eastern. Great. So it'll be the same time day kind of thing. So uh, just quick review for everybody. Um, Abby did, or uh, to mention this, Abby did put uh, reposted that link in the chat box, you can access uh, Wendy's contact information there. Also, um, the email, just to call that out for everybody, is wendy at insearchmedical.com, uh, spelled out exactly as it sounds, wendy at insearchmedical. And we will be hosting uh, another webinar here in, uh, looks like two weeks, uh, on how to fill that new hire schedule as quickly as possible. So first, you wanna contact Wendy, so you get the new hire on board. And then in our next training, we'll be going through how to um, ramp that uh, new hires, uh, the new PTs, uh, their schedule up as quickly as possible. We'll be sending out invitations for that. Um, at this point, Wendy, I think this is a good jumping off point. Thank you very much for being here and offering your expert, expertise. This was great. Any parting wisdom or uh, any parting wisdom or words of advice? No, I'm, you know, I, I'm here to help. Um, I think we're all kind of in the, in the, in the same boat. Um, so uh, there are PTs out there. We can fill jobs. You can find those people. Um, so I, you know, I, I think the future, the future is bright for our patient. That's great. Thank you very much, Wendy. And thank you, Abby, for hosting. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.